The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas, a VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. Well, to listen to tonight's full interview, you know what to do by now. Go to VeritasRadio.com and click on that subscribe button. You'll get your login immediately and you'll be able to listen to hundreds of hours of truth. Don't wait. Get the truth now. And if you want to get in touch with me, you will have a guest suggestion, want to be a guest on this radio program, or simply have feedback, I always love to hear from you. Click on the contact button of our website. Professor Artie Sixkiller Clark returns to Veritas with more UFO stories of American Indians who live off the reservation. One intriguing difference between the two groups There were more cases of physical evidence presented to back up their testimony of urban American Indians. As with the first book, we discussed not their encounters, but the recounting itself becomes part of the story. A professor emeritus at Montana State University, R.D. Sixkiller Clark reveals herself as part UFO investigator, part journalist, part therapist, and part friend. She walked with the individuals who told their stories. She listened, she questioned, and in the end, she believed. And she's already a veteran of this program, so she doesn't need a formal introduction. Her bio is right on her website, and she joins us directly from the state of Montana. Professor Artie Siskiller-Clark. Welcome back to Veritas. Artie, how are you? I'm doing fine. It's uh, We're in the middle of a storm here. It's, uh, we got snow predicted, so... We're all bundled up. You have snow predicted when it's 100 yes. degrees where I am. Well, lucky you. <laughs> yes, snow, and and uh, uh, right now it's raining, and it's 50 degrees. So, Well, uh, you have a landline, so hopefully that storm wouldn't cause uh, any problems with our conversation today. But, Artie, this is your third book, am I right? Right. What is the difference between these stories and the other books? Well, my first book, um, I focused on stories um, of uh, I had collected on the reservation. Um, uh, many of them, uh, I think the majority of them were elders. Um, the second book, um, I, um, years ago, when I was a teenager, I, I wanted to follow the in the footsteps of these um, 18th century explorers who had, uh, or who are regarded as the 
the fathers of American archaeology and and who discovered the ancient cities in uh, of the Maya in uh, in Central America and Mexico. And so I wanted to follow the trail that they had taken. And along the way, um, I gathered uh, the ancient stories of the Maya, and I talked to people about uh, current um, and contemporary stories uh, of UFOs and encounters. And this third book is about American Indians who live off the reservation, uh, who have as many encounters, if not more, than those who live on the reservations. Uh, but these are individuals, you know, uh, um, 78% of American Indians um, live in small towns or rural America or cities and do not live on the reservation. And a lot of people don't realize that. Uh, the majority of the people who live on the reservations are full blood as opposed to those who live off the reservation who um, uh, are not full blood but uh, are counted on the roles of, of American Indians and may or may not have uh, direct contact um, with their tribes and participate in ceremonies and, and so on. So this book was a look at those individuals. Uh, the majority of them were... Um, were perhaps more educated, and, and that is one of the reasons why many people leave the reservation is because they they go off to college and they get degrees, and then um, they can't apply them on the reservation. So they, or they meet somebody and marry somebody from a different um, uh, tribal group, or even from you know um, a different uh, uh, ethnic, ethnic heritage. Group. Yeah. yeah, and and so they just don't return uh, to live there, even though they may go back uh, on a regular basis and visit family and participate in events there. Now, that so, was news to me, Artie. That was news to me. Seventy-eight percent. I thought just a minority lived outside the reservation. But yeah, why did they, aside from marrying somebody from a different ethnic heritage, what what are other reasons that catapult these people from from leaving the reservation well you know back in the in the 50s uh there was a a, a plan by the government to terminate indian reservations yeah and and what happened is that they started lo- relocating um literally thousands of people uh, from the reservations to the cities and put them to work in automobile factories and different kinds of uh, places uh, around the country. Um, and that's why you go to a place like Cleveland, Ohio, that does, you know, that has this huge Indian center in Cleveland, Ohio, because of all these native people who were relocated. Um, same thing with Los Angeles. You know, you, you just go around the country and you see that uh, where they were relocated. Well, many of them, once they were relocated, uh, returned to the reservations. Others stayed because it was an opportunity for better schools for their children, uh, a, a good job, and and so and would go back and visit relatives, and relatives would come and visit them. So that's what started the whole movement of of uh, Native people off the reservations. And then, of course, um, uh, intermarriage started taking place on a, um, a grander scale than what had previously happened. And um, and today, with uh, so many Native uh, um, youth going to college, 
uh, and meeting people of other ethnic groups or meeting people of other tribes. Um, they may choose to go live, um, in, you know, in an area that neither one of them is, uh, doesn't, uh, where there is no tribal group, but in distance where they can travel back and forth. So that's really, you know, what has caused it. You use the term already American Indians uh, as opposed mm-hmm. to the most current term of, of Native Americans. Why? Right. Since we know the term Indian is a misnomer. Right. And, and uh, you know, I interchange it, but in my writing, I always use American Indian because, you know, um, uh, one of the, the difficulties uh, in, in using Native American is that um, uh, we're constantly confronted with people um, aggressively uh, saying to us, you know, hey, I'm a Native American too. I was born here, so That's I'm right. Native. Yep. And so for um, for those of us who uh, are are in um, uh, who were in academia, we decided that we would use the term American Indian. Now, not all uh, people in academia do that, but I'm one that chooses to do that because. Um, uh, I've had to deal with that uh, too frequently, and uh, and many people, as, uh, as leading Native Americans, have spoken out about this issue and said, "Hey, let's, you know, we refer to ourselves as Indian most of the time, and we are we consider ourselves American Indians, and and people are right in saying they are Native Americans because they are born here." So. Um, it, w- it was decided, you know, one of the uh, the leaders of the group was a very famous uh, journalist, Tim Gallego, out of South Dakota, who started uh, the Lakota Times and and uh, a very famous uh, um, um, American Indian newspaper. And and you know, he was one of the leaders of saying, "Hey, let's do this. Let's not." call ourselves Native Americans. Let's call ourselves American Indians. Interesting. Now, let's let's begin with the meat of your book. Uh, you attended a barbecue, and you asked how many people have had an extraterrestrial encounter, and 60%, wow, 60% wow. of the attendees said they had. Tell us more. Well, you know, it, it, it was a it was a barbecue, just a group of friends up in the mountains getting together. At, uh, I have a cabin up in up in the mountains, and and uh, there's a little community up there, and and there were ten of us that got together, and and um, um, there was a visitor uh, from from Colorado who asked. You know, well, uh, what is your book about? And this was when Encounters, the first Encounters book came out. And I said, well, it's about UFO encounters. And this person looked at me and said, well, I've had an encounter. And there were two medical people there, doctors, and they said, both of them said they had had encounters. And then there was a, an engineer, um, from uh, he, I, well, I don't know where he calls home because he travels with oil companies all the time looking for oil, and spends most of his time in South America. And he said, "I've had numerous encounters in South America," and so, and then there was a graduate student who had had an encounter. And so, you know, I think what happens so often is that people just don't talk about it. Uh, I, I 
think that people are very quiet about what they've seen and, and, uh, um, uh, if they've had an encounter, uh, an actual encounter with an entity that they think people will laugh at them, criticize them, or think that they're, you know, uh, um, fantasizing or, uh, and, and of course there have been books about that saying, you know, well, you know, they're sleepwalking, they're, they're doing all sorts of things um, that make them think they've been abducted. And so they just don't talk about it. And um, and that was a good example, you know, of, of um, you know, and, and I challenge people to ask their friends, how many of you have had uh, um, an encounter? Uh, I couldn't tell you how many people, you know, uh, that I have interviewed and have recorded their stories who are not, um, native who are not indigenous, but hear that I'm collecting stories and come up to me and say, now, I'm not an Indian, but I have a story I'd like to tell you and I'd like, I'd like to get some feedback from you. And, and so I, even though, um, uh, my publishers don't think that, um, uh, readers would necessarily be interested in reading about, um, uh, non, non-indigenous people, uh, I still collect those stories and listen to them, and I've heard some remarkable stories. And people will say to me, "Now I haven't told this to anybody else, and you know, and I don't. Uh, if if you write something about it, please don't tell who I am or where I'm from. You know, that kind of thing. And there's always that that concern that people will make fun of them, or they'll lose their job, or just all sorts of things that people come up with why they don't want their stories known. Well, it would be a pity to lose all those interviews because I can understand why the publisher, they have put you, and I hate to say this, but maybe in this silo where you focus on American Indians. But if you have so many stories, perhaps a book in the future for non-American Indian stories to be published. Well, and I may self-publish one one day, you know. There you go. Because, uh, you know, I don't, uh, I have a wonderful publisher, uh, Anomalous Press, you know, and and Patrick. She is my um my editor and I just really but um and if that doesn't help happen I I may just self publish one day because I know that other other um uh authors have done that, uh who are in the field. They have um uh, published with um well known uh, presses and then for some reason decide to self publish and uh so, you know, I I could do that. And I may do that in the future. Do you think, Artie, that at least the perception out there is that there's a preponderance of cases with American Indians or indigenous people around the world, for for that matter? Is that a, a wrong perception or is it true that we have more encounters with indigenous people around the world more than other ethnic groups? Well, I think that... that um, um, it's not necessarily indigenous groups, but it's where you live. I think if you live in a more rural, rural or remote area, you're more likely to have these encounters than you are if you live in cities. Um, simply because, uh, uh, I don't believe that, um, those visitors are particularly wanting to announce that they're here. Um, so I think that it happens more on, 
on reservations and in rural areas simply because, you know, if you landed, if you, if you uh, abducted somebody in Chicago or New York, there'd be a lot of witnesses. If you abduct somebody in, in uh, Belfry, Montana, <laughs> there's not likely to be anybody to see you. You know, is that's just the, the way it is. And, um, and I don't know why I said that because I did get a letter from a lady in Belfry, Montana telling me about uh, an event that happened to her. Um, and, and so, you know, these are, are, I think this is probably part of the reason I just don't, don't believe that they want to announce that they're here or that they want it commonly known. I mean, I've even been told by people that, that the aliens have communicated to them uh that uh if you re- if you tell anybody about this then um nobody's going to believe you anyway that's right plausible deniability now yeah. i wonder already if if in the era before the internet people would have been more open and motivated to share their stories than today and i say this because now with social media you know, a photograph or a story can be published for the world to see. And many people may not want their stories out unless they remain anonymous. Did you, did any of your witnesses express this concern? I had a lot of people say, you know, I don't want to be on social media, particularly with this book. And of course, I'm not on social media. I refuse to be pulled into that, that, uh, uh, you know, I'm not interested in in being on the internet. People have told me, "Well, you'd sell a lot more books." Well, I don't care if if that's how I have to sell books. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on any of these things, and I don't intend to be. Um, and I and I I tell them that you know you won't appear on Facebook with me because I'm not going to be there myself. Well, you may not be, Artie, but your name is indirectly all over the place. Know. You know that. I know that, but that's that's beyond my control. But as right. far as having my own space there, I don't I don't have that. Um, and uh, you know, I and I don't go online and look for myself either. Um, I'm, I I don't go and and listen to the podcast. I don't go there and listen to any of this. Uh, and I'm sure that there's probably a lot of negative things out there. But you know what? I've got too much living to do to worry about what others say. And my uh, my professional career is over. I'm retired and retired with dignity and respect. And uh, and this is something I'm doing not because I intended to do it, but um uh a, a few years ago uh, about 7 8 years ago maybe it by now um i was asked to come out of retirement after i had retired at montana state university and to um conduct an evaluation of a tribe um a tribal uh federal grant that had been issued for like 5 million dollars and the government wanted me to go in and do this evaluation and um it was required by the grant and it was a five-year project and i would have to commit to it for five years and i took the training i visited the reservation and then uh the last day i was on the reservation i had a, a luncheon with a group of women who 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.